Thank you so much for joining us for our online service. My name is Pastor Tim, and I'm so glad you're with us. And I'm Harriet, and we're so glad that you're with us today online. If this is your first time, we want to say welcome, and we would love if you would fill out our online connect card at lifecc.com just to let us know that you are here with us today. That's awesome. Also, we want to pray for you. We really care about what's going on in your life. So if you would just take a moment today, go to our website, click on the prayer link, give us your prayer request. Our whole staff would love to lift you up in prayer together. Yeah, we love you, church, and we are so glad that you're here. We hope that you enjoy the service today. God bless. Good morning, Life Church family, and good morning to all our guests that are with us today. I am so glad you're with us. We're honored you chose to be at church online today. I believe that during this COVID-19 season, it's more important now than any other time that you stay connected to your church. So on our website are some helpful links for you to stay connected with us. If you go to lifecc.com, click on the online church tab, and there are some links there for you. If you're a guest today, you can go to the link that says connection card. Let us know you're with us today. We would love to know where you're from, a little bit about you, you can click that link. If you have a prayer request, you can go to the prayer request link and our staff will pray for you. If you have a praise report, we want to hear what God is doing in your life. You can go to that same link and you can let us know. Our staff sits around a conference table once a week. We read the prayer requests, pray over those, and we talk about these praise reports. So please let us know what God is doing in your life. If somewhere along the way in today's service, you made a decision to follow Jesus Christ and make Him the Lord of your life, there's a link for you to let us know that as well. And last, on that same section, there's a place for you to give online. We are blessed. We are grateful for everyone that has been giving online. We want to encourage you to do so. You are helping keep this ministry going, and we appreciate you. So thank you so much for all of that. We hope you'll stay connected. We continue to say that church is essential. It's essential to our life. And I know you believe that because you're here today. And so I believe that God will bless you for logging on, for making Jesus the first and priority of your life, and you're right here now. So let me begin today by praying for you. Let's take a moment and let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. I thank you for every person that is choosing to make Jesus first in their life, and they're online today. They're worshiping together, we're praying together, and we're being inspired by your word together. God bless your people. Father, for those who are struggling in different areas of life through this season of COVID, God, I ask that you would strengthen their faith. We ask that you would do miracles in their life. God, we ask that you would heal, that you would do whatever is needed in people's lives to help us get to the next season. God, we pray for our nation. We pray for COVID-19 to go away. God, we ask that you would move our nation uh, in a forward direction of healing and life and health. We pray for unity as well in Jesus' name. If you're at home right now, give me an amen. We're so honored to gather together. Today we're in our series. We're continuing our series called Heaven on Earth. 
And our tagline for this has been that if it is probable in heaven, then it's possible here on earth. We've taken this thought out of the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray in Matthew 6, 9. And He taught us this. He said, this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be Your name. Your kingdom come, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You see, everything in our lives, our prayer life and our actions, should be focused on bringing that which is in our heavenly realms, the culture of heaven, into the earthly realm, into every place, every space that we live, every place we work, every place we shop, where you go to school, every place we should try to bring heaven to earth. And so that's what we're working through. This is part three of our series, and today my sermon title is Miracles from Heaven. Miracles from Heaven. I want to tell you a story that has set my heart in tune with what I believe is a foundation for miracles from heaven. When I was 13 years old, our family had a small horse farm, and we would go on the weekends on events to show our horses and to perform against other, other competitors. At this point in time, I was 13 years old. We had just bought a brand new horse for me. He was an Appaloosa horse. He was a beautiful horse. His name was Dr. Doolittle. He was an amazing horse. He was big, had giant muscles. He was brown all over except on his hindquarters. He had this beautiful patch of white hair. He had flowing uh, blonde mane and tail. He was an amazing horse. He was young. He was energetic. He was athletic. And so we had taken him to Bristol, Tennessee for a horse show there. Now, it was customary for us uh, to kind of get up early before the show. My brother and my father and I would take the horses out to the practice ring, and we would prepare our horses. We'd acclimate them to what was going on around them. And so we were out early that morning practicing and kind of warming up our horses. And somewhere along the way, someone decided to lay an extension cord from one side of the ring across to the other side of the ring, they buried it under the dirt, thinking that would have been adequate. Well, as I was riding my new beautiful horse around the ring, warming him up, one of his feet, hooves, mashed into the dirt and with his metal uh, horseshoe on, clipped that electrical cord in the dirt and it cut it slightly and gave him a little bit of an electric shock. And so when that happened, he basically jumped so tall, so high, took off running, bucking, and just had a moment of fit. I can't blame him for that, for being shocked like that. But in the middle of that, he threw me off. I went forward over the horse. As he ran forward, he trampled over me, and his two back hooves implanted into my back and basically just planted me in the dirt. I remember laying there in severe pain. I had, my breath was gone. It knocked the wind out of me, and I couldn't move. I remember my father running over quickly and kneeling beside me and praying. Someone had called an ambulance quickly, and soon the ambulance arrived. They placed me on a, one of those hard boards that 
case there was a significant injury in my back. They supported my neck and they placed me in the ambulance and we took off to, to the hospital. On the way to the hospital, I remember the paramedic in the, in the transport vehicle was radioing the hospital and, and alerting them that there were some possible significant problems and saying that there was no movement in my legs and maybe there was a, a, a broken back. And so they were preparing for whatever that was necessary for when we arrived. When we arrived at the hospital, they immediately took me back for an x-ray and then they brought me into a room and my father and my mother were there and the doctor came in and explained that this wasn't a life-threatening injury and fortunately it was not uh, one that would paralyze me, but they did need to do a surgery. And so my mom said to the doctor, well, we appreciate your diagnosis. She said, what we would like to do is pray over him and give God an opportunity to do a miracle in his life. I'm not quite sure how the doctor responded to that, but I do know that there was a moment where my mom and the doctor and my dad pulled aside away from me and they had a conversation. And so they came back and then they prayed for me and then they said to the doctor, we would love for you to do two things. We'd like for you to give him a small glass of milk uh, because that would restore him because he has low blood sugar. And then we'd like you to re-x-ray his back to see what God has done. Well, the doctor didn't seem to uh, want to comply with that too quickly, so they had another sidebar conversation. I'm not quite sure what they said, but I do know that in a few moments, a nurse brought in a small glass of milk. I had a sip of milk, and they took me back for another x-ray. And then coming back out into that waiting room there, or that room where my father and mother were, and the doctors returned a few moments later, and they said, you know what, something has changed, something has happened. And they said, what was broken, what was wrong is completely changed and healed, fixed for whatever way, anyway. And so it was a miracle that it happened. Now I remember as a 13-year-old boy walking out of that hospital, I was so grateful that I was fine. I was sore, but I was fine. But I also walked out of that hospital as a 13-year-old young man knowing that God performs miracles, that there are truly miracles from heaven that come into our life. And for me, that set inside of me this faith, this confidence that from that day forward that God could do the impossible in our lives. When we planted our church, I knew that somehow, some way that God was going to use that experience in my life, that level of faith for healing, that level of faith for miracles, that God would use that in some way to define parts of our church and that we would be a church that operated in the supernatural arena of healings. And I'm pleased to say that we have prayed for people in our church from that point forward, and we have seen God do so many miracles around our house. And so I'm blessed that we have a church that believes that we stand for that. Now I want today to take that story and put biblical foundation to that because I don't want it to be just a testimony that's not grounded out of what God can do and what His Bible says, what the Word says to us about healing. So for a few minutes, I want to give you five beliefs about God from the Bible that validate miracles from heaven. And so the first belief I want to share with you today is that God is good. Now, we have said that, everyone has said that, it's been a nice catchy slogan for a while, 
God is good. But it's more than just a catchy Christian slogan. You need to know that the love of God, the character of God, the nature of God, the actions of God, and the will of God come from a place of Him being entirely and completely good. God is good through and through. He is good all the time, and He will be good for all time. You never have to question, is God good or is God for me? What comes to your mind when you think about God is the most important reality you'll ever have. So when someone says God, when you think of God, the thought that you have about God is the most important reality you'll ever have. For me, my reality is God is good. There are some people that have confused some of the disasters and some of the sufferings on the fact that maybe God gave that to us. Well, I would say that's wrong theology because God is good and He only has good for you. I would think it like this. How would you or I be able to truly love and trust a God who isn't entirely good? How would you trust a God that might possibly want some sort of hurt or some sort of suffering or some sort of struggling in your mind? How could you love a God like that? Now, could you worship a God like that? Well, sure, you could worship a God like that because He would be Creator, He'd be greater in all things. So you could worship a God like that, but you might not love and trust a God like that. But we know that God is good. We know that He only wants best for you. We know that God is good through and through, entirely good. And so what we think about God, when we hear God, when we think about Him, what comes to mind, what comes to mind is that God is good. Let's take it to Scripture for just a moment. In Romans chapter 2, 4, it says that the goodness of God leads us to repentance. It's the goodness of God. In Psalms 34, 8, it says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. In James 1, 17, it says, Every good and perfect gift is from above coming down from the Father of heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. Listen, every good, and, every good and perfect gift comes from God. And I like that it says it doesn't change. He's not good today, bad tomorrow. He's not sending good things in your life and suffering in your life at the same time. No, He is good all the time. And in John 10, 11, this is Jesus, His words. And He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Because God is good, we can trust that he only wants good in your life. And we know that because God is good, we can know that he is not causing bad things to come into our life. He is not causing hurricanes to happen around us. He is not evil. He is not causing you to be sick or to suffer. You need to understand that in heaven... It's perfect, and it is God's desire that His will, His environment, come from heaven to earth. Everything that God gives you is good because He is good. God is good. Everything about God is good. When you pray for miracles, you need to have the confidence that God is good and He only wants good for you and for those in your life. That's the first belief 
that God is good. Our second belief that's so important for us when it comes to understanding miracles is this, is that Jesus paid for it all. He paid for it all. Jesus paid for every sin, every curse, every sickness. All of it was purchased by Jesus at the cross. Now, most people understand that Jesus paid for our sin and we are forgiven and we have a ticket to heaven. And I'll tell you, if Jesus didn't do anything else for us except that, that would be enough to worship Him forever. But we're blessed because there is more to what Jesus did in our salvation than just our salvation. He gave us more. Let me show you in Ephesians chapter 2.8. It says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. Now the word saved, that's our English translation. But if you were to take it to the original translation in the Greek, you would find that the word saved in the Greek is sozo. And sozo has a broader meaning. We use the word saved to encompass these three thoughts. In the Greek, sozo means saved, or it means forgiven from your sin. It means healed and delivered. The same faith, the same grace that forgives you for your sin is the same grace that heals your body. It's the same grace that delivers you from every bondage in life. You need to know that Jesus paid for it all. He paid for your salvation. He paid for your healing. He paid for your freedom. He prayed for you to be set free from every stronghold and every addiction. He paid for it. What a wonderful Savior we have. On the cross, there was this amazing exchange that took place. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, it says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, yet for your sakes He became poor, that you through His poverty might become rich. Listen, what it says here, that, that Jesus was rich, we are poor. And what Jesus did is He became poor so that we could become rich. Now this isn't necessarily about money. Don't think greed. What you need to know that Jesus was rich in everything of purity. He was rich in everything that was good. He was rich as in a sinless life. He had perfect health. He was blessed from heaven. He was blessed. That's the good. That's, the, that's that, um, that place of riches that He had. But what He did was is He laid down all of that. He became our sin. He became our sickness. He became the curse so that we could be free from sin, so that we could be free from sickness, so that we could be free from those strongholds. That's the great exchange that we received because of Jesus at the cross. Jesus paid for it all. He took my filthy, sinful life and gave me righteousness. He took upon Himself all of the curse and all the punishment so that I can have total freedom. He took your condemnation and He gave you freedom from guilt. He took your mistakes just like mine and gave us a brand new life. He took all of the sickness upon Himself and gave us healing. He took death and gave us everlasting life. He took our broken lives and gave us the abundant life that we find in Jesus Christ. The Bible says that we should not forget 
all the benefits of our salvation. The benefits of our salvation. Like there's more than salvation of going to heaven. That's great. Not knocking that at all. But there's more. The Bible says in Psalms 103, verses 2 and 3, it says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. Who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases. What does Jesus do at the cross? He forgives all your sin, and He also heals us, heals us of our diseases. Those are great benefits. The Bible says in 1 Peter 2.24, it says, Who Himself, this is Jesus, bore our sins in His own body on the tree, that we, having died to sin, might live for righteousness. And it says, By whose stripes you were healed. So at the cross, Jesus bore our sin, and by the stripes that were laid on His back, were given to us healing. That's what it says. Listen, Jesus, He paid for it all. He paid for salvation. He paid for your forgiveness. He paid for your healing. He paid for your deliverance. Jesus paid for you to live a victorious life. He paid for you to live a blessed life. Jesus paid for it all. It's the greatest news. There's no better news. That's why it's the good news. Because God is good. Jesus is good. And He has given us the greatest news of salvation. In order to pray for miracles from heaven, you need to know that Jesus has paid for that miracle. I'll give it to you an example like this. Let's assume for a moment that my son Eli, he comes to me and he says, Hey Dad, I want to ride in your brand new Tesla. And I would grin and I would be like, Well son, there's a problem. I haven't paid for a brand new Tesla, so I cannot give you what I haven't paid for. I, said to, I would say to him, you need to ask for something I have paid for. Then he could say, well, I would like to ride in your cool Jeep. And I would say, you know what? That you can do because I have paid for that cool Jeep. You can ride in that. Listen, you need to know that when you go to Jesus and ask for a miracle, you need to know He has already paid for that and you have legal access to your Heavenly Father to ask for anything that has been paid for. He has paid for it all. Come on with me. Would you just say, Jesus paid for it all? He is so good. Hey, the third belief about God that we find in the Bible is that all things are possible. All things are possible. God does not want us to limit our, our, um, our thinking. God doesn't want us to think small. He doesn't want us to settle for small prayers that do not require any faith. He wants us to be confident that God can do the impossible. He can and He will do the impossible. The Bible says in Philippians 4.13, and this is the Apostle Paul, he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Not Paul can do it, but Christ in him, through him, God can do all things through him who strengthens him. In Luke chapter 137, an angel says to Mary, the angel says, for with God, nothing is impossible. And Jesus said this, He said this to His disciples. He said, and as He looked at them, He said, with men, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. We need to know that all things are possible. In John chapter 14, 12, 
Jesus said this to His disciples. He said, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in Me will do the same works that I have done. Pause for a moment. Anyone who believes in Christ can do the same works Jesus did. Anyone. That is you. That is me. Anyone who believes can do the same works. But Jesus didn't stop there. He wanted to expand their faith. And He said, even greater works because I'm going to the Father. In other words, Jesus is showing us to expand our faith in God that He can do much more than we could even imagine or think. Nothing is impossible for God. There isn't anything too small or insignificant to pray about, but there's also nothing that is too big to pray about. You can pray ginormous prayers to God. Let me ask you, is there anything that our God can't do? Is there a mountain that God cannot move? Is there waters that God cannot part? Is there a storm that God cannot calm? Obviously, God can do it all. Nothing is impossible for God. That's why we can say it like this. Is cancer impossible for God to heal? No. Is a broken marriage impossible for God to restore? No. Is there an addiction that God can't break? No. Is there a sickness that God can't heal? No. Listen, do not limit what God can do. I like to say it like this. I'm very optimistic about what God can do. I believe God can do the impossible. Nothing is impossible for God. And you're part of a church that is a movement of people that believe that with God all things are possible. You need to know that all things are possible when you begin to pray because you don't want a limiting belief inside of you saying, I don't know if God can do this. Listen, there isn't anything that God can't do. Amen, church. Hey, our fourth belief about God today is that God answers prayers. He really does. God answers prayers. Our prayer life tends to reveal whether or not we really believe this because if you believe that God answers prayer, you'd probably have a very powerful prayer life. I say that about myself. Sometimes I wonder, why don't I pray more? And probably because I don't land on this one belief enough, the belief that God answers prayers. If I believe it, I'd probably spend way more time asking God for more things to happen on earth from heaven to earth. Does God answer every prayer? Every one of them? Well, of course not. There are times that we ask for things that are not in line with God's will. There are things that we ask that are not in line with God's word. If we do that, of course God's not going to answer that. If we pray prayers that are greedy and selfish, God has no obligation to fulfill those prayers. But how do you know if you're praying in God's will? Well, I can give you a generalization, and this might help you. Generally, you can just look at the nature, the character, and the will of God that has been displayed in who God is. And we know that God is good. His nature is good. He is entirely good. So if you're praying for someone's good, if you're praying for someone's good will, then you can know that is probably God's will. If you're praying for someone's good, that's probably God's will. We also know that God does have an obligation to answer prayers when we've been stupid. Uh, he doesn't have to fix our stupid problems. As an example, if I go to DQ uh, and eat their blizzards all the time, if I eat a blizzard every night, I have no ability to have confidence that when I ask God to help me lose weight and help me be healthy, that He's going to do it. God can't fix stupid all the time. Can I get an amen? But church, listen, when we are praying in line, when we're praying things like this, if you pray, 
for someone's goodwill, you can have confidence in that. When you're praying for things that Jesus did, we see what He did. Pray what, according to what Jesus did. You know you're in God's will. If you're praying for things um, that, that advance the kingdom of God, if you're praying for things that you know Jesus paid for, you know you're praying for these things that are in God's will, you can have a confidence that God will answer that prayer. We need confidence that God answers prayers. In 1 John chapter 5, 14, it says, We are confident that He hears us when we ask for anything that pleases Him. And since we know He hears us when we make a request, we also know that He will give us what we ask for. He hears us and He gives to us what we ask for when we pray according to His will. God wants us to be bold in our prayer life. He wants us to pray prayers that require faith. I think God gets bored when we don't pray for things that are big enough to require faith. But some people might say, well, what if God doesn't answer my prayer? Which I would counter and say, what if God does answer your prayer? You won't know if you don't pray. I believe that if more people would pray for more miracles, we would see more miracles. And so let's keep praying, church, and believing God when He says He answers prayers. And the fifth belief I want to bring to you today about God is that I have a significant purpose. You have a significant purpose in life. God is not looking for superstar Christians to be the only ones that make a difference in life. Every person can do great things for God. Every person has a notable assignment from God. Every person can do great things for the kingdom. God can use ordinary people like myself and like you to do significant things here on earth. I like the story out of the book of Acts chapter 4.13. It says that when they saw the courage of Peter and John, now they are the religious leaders that were there that day, when they saw the courage of Peter and John, they realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men. And it says that these leaders were astonished. And here's why they were astonished. In verse 14 it says, they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them. In other words, they saw ordinary men doing extraordinary things for God. I want you to know that you and I, being ordinary, can do extraordinary things for God. Do me a favor for just a moment. Just look at your hands for just a moment. Look at your hands. I want you to know that God wants to use your hands to heal the sick. Look at your feet for just a moment. God wants to use your feet to go to places to share the good news of Christ. Touch your mouth for just a moment. God wants to use your prayers for miracles from heaven. God wants you to do great things. That's why we said in our first lesson in this series, it says that in 2 Corinthians 5.20, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. You're an ambassador of Christ. You're a representative of Christ on earth. You have a significant purpose. So those are five beliefs. I hope you wrote those down. You're going to have to study those, build them in. Those are five important beliefs. Now let me show you how this works in real life. Let me just take an example to take those five beliefs and apply them. Let's say, for example, I encounter or you encounter if it, either in yourself or someone else something like sickness, disease, depression, fear, injustice, poverty, addiction, in some way you encounter something like that in life. So let's just take this as a very specific example 
and think through these five beliefs using sickness as an example. So let's say you encounter someone that's sick. Your first belief is, is God is good. So you would say, is this sickness of God? Is this God? Because God is good, sickness is not good. So you can go, well, that's not of God. So therefore, I have, I have a framework to work from. Then you would think about that sickness. You say, well, did Jesus pay for that to be redeemed? And you would say, yes, Jesus paid for that to be redeemed. And then you would say, well, is it possible for God to do something about that sickness? And you would say, yes, all things are possible for God. And then you would think to yourself, well, if I pray for this, will God answer my prayer? And you have the confidence that what you pray for, God hears it when we pray according to His will, so you can say, yes, God will do it. And then the last belief is that I have a significant purpose. And so I would think to myself, all right, all these things line up. Does God have a role for me in this? Does God want me to respond to this? And the answer is, yes, He does. He wants you to pray. He wants you to make a difference right there in that moment. So whether it's for a son or daughter or a friend, in some way, God wants you to make a difference bringing the culture of heaven on earth with miracles from heaven. We have an amazing testimony where God has done something like this. I'd love for you to watch this testimony online. Fernando, uh, I've been in Life Church since 2011, and we love him. Hi, my name is Polly, and we are here today to share our story. First of all, to give all the glory and honor to God, and also to encourage you and strengthen your faith. On March 2019, our precious son, Lucas, was diagnosed with a brain tumor in his optical nerve pathway and due to the tumor, he was also almost blind. We found out uh, about the tumor on a Friday afternoon, and on Monday, my son was already being seen by the doctors at one of the best hospitals in the nation. On Tuesday, he had a surgery for a port placement, and on Wednesday, he uh, started chemo. The only option of treatment for this type of tumor was uh, chemotherapy every week during 12 to 18 months. Surgery was not an option because the doctors could not remove his tumor without causing major problems for him. There are no words to describe what we felt when we received that horrible news. Throughout this entire process, during a lot of times, we felt hopeless, abandoned, and alone. We faced daily a huge fear of losing our son. To be honest, the pain was unbearable. And during a lot of times, I felt discouraged. We praise God that we were not forsaken. And it didn't take long for us to realize that God was all we had and everything we needed. He was enough. And if we had allowed ourselves 
to rebel against the Father, we would be giving up everything we had. And the most important, we would be losing, we would be closing the door to the only one who could give us what we needed the most, our son's miracle. And we can tell you that even if we walk through a valley as dark as the grave, we will not be afraid of any danger because he is with us. And I can assure you that God was with us when we received that horrible news. God was with us during every chemo. He was with us in every hospital visit. He was with us every time we cried and said that we could not keep moving forward. And he's also with you. He's with you every time you cry. He's with you in the darkness. He's with you during this tough season. He is with you in the storm. The Almighty God is in it with you. Also, Mark 16, 18 says, If they pick up snakes or drink any poison, they will not be hurt. And we literally lived that with Lucas. Throughout his entire treatment, he almost didn't have any side effects. And we praise God for that. Our God remains the same. He still answers prayers. He still performs miracles. The statistics show usually this type of brain tumor never completely disappears and usually it shrinks just by 50%. But the price that was paid on the cross gave us victory. The cross, the death of Christ, his blood poured out at the Calvary, sealed our son's healing. The Lord had mercy on us heard our cry and hallelujah he healed our son three months after he finished his treatment jesus loved us so much that he took up on him all illness including the tumor in lucas brain he is alive he is real and his goodness has no end we serve the god of the impossible and please don't give up on your relationship with Jesus, especially if you're in a trial. He never wanted anything bad for you. Believe he's for you, not against you. Life is made of choices and you can choose to grow near the Lord during tough times. You can choose to surrender all areas of your life and let him be not just your savior, but also your Lord, which is not an easy thing to do. But I can assure you, it's worthy. I believe now it is a season of alignment with the Word of God. And that's not just for my life, but to the whole body of Christ. It is a season in which Jesus wants to align our lives, our homes with His truth. His hands are extended to heal, to transform, to call into existence all things He conquered for us at the cross. Just love him with your whole heart and keep pressing forward. He has amazing things waiting for you. If it is probable in heaven, it is possible on earth. Wow, what a story. What an amazing story. Healing, cancer healed, cancer gone. Nothing is impossible for God.
I hope you're clapping at home. I hope you're celebrating that. What a story. That builds my faith when I hear stories like that. I want to close today with a way to practically apply this in your life. And first, I want you to know that you can make a difference in someone else's life by praying for them to be healed or delivered or in some way God uses you to do a miracle, pray for a miracle in someone's life. So you have those five beliefs to work from. And now I want to give you a declaration. And what you can do with this declaration, I want you to, let me, let's, let me read this declaration to you. This declaration says this, I declare that Jesus is your healer, miracle worker. I speak victory over every disease, sickness, virus, and problem in your life. I confidently declare God is for you, and with God all things are possible. There's no limit to what God can do in your life. Right now by faith, I believe that the miracle you need is on the way. I declare this and pray this for you in the name of Jesus. Amen. I want you to take a snapshot of that online. So maybe get your phone app out. We're going to post this up. It's going to be over the entire screen for just a moment. So get your camera, click it, take a picture of it. Let's do it right now. Did you get it? Get your picture. It's on. Awesome. Okay, I'm back. Now listen, take that picture, uh, send that to someone who is sick, and pray for them. Tell them you believe that God wants to do a miracle in their life. Take that, that declaration and give that to someone. Take it to someone you know who isn't feeling well, feeling well and give that to them. Take it to some person that needs a miracle in their life, and you take a step of faith. Take that, that moment of knowing that God has a significant purpose for you and use this declaration as a way to pray for someone. And so I'd love for you to do that. We're also going to post this online. You can forward it to someone. Please don't do the inbox where you forward it to 10 people and tell them to do it. And if they don't do it, they won't be blessed. That's crazy. Don't do that stuff. Please don't send those to me either. But I do want you to take that declaration and by faith, would you send it to someone that is going through a hard time, someone that needs a miracle, and pray for them and believe God will do great things? Wow, that'll be great. Let me close right now with a prayer for you. Maybe you need a miracle. Would you do me a favor? Would you just stand up wherever you are if you need a miracle? Just as an act of faith. Just stand to your feet. Just an act of faith and say, God, I need a miracle right now. As your pastor, I want to pray for you and believe that whatever you need, Whatever it is, as it comes into alignment with God's Word for your life, that He has a miracle on the way. Let's pray right now. Father, I thank You for this church. I thank You for every person that is standing. God, I pray that You would, you would do a miracle in their life. And I just pray and I declare that Jesus is Your healer and miracle worker. I speak victory over every disease, sickness, virus, and problem in your life. I confidently declare God is for you and with God all things are possible. There is no limit to what God can do in your life. Right now, by faith, I believe the miracle you need is on the way. I declare this and pray for this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen, church. Listen, that's, that's great stuff. It's great information. You learn to live out of that It'll change your life. Church, I love you. Thanks for tuning in. I can't wait to see you someday in person.
But until then, I'll see you back online. God bless.